0: I'm so glad you're here. My name's Chuck and they let me be the pastor here. And um, there is so much going on. We had a baptism class this morning. Uh, We've got right now about 40 people waiting baptism in the life of our church. In the last hour, 11 people gave their life to Christ in this service. And we just had an incredible past few weeks and a day in which you see four evangelical churches close for the last time every week in America. Um, how blessed are we to be able to see God do a fresh and a cool work in the life of the church. I want to talk today, and we're, we're kicking off a new series. And of course, in February, you know, at the month of love, we're going to talk about uh, relationships. And we don't want to talk about just any relationships. We want to talk about life-giving relationships because we all need them. Because all of us have hundreds of acquaintances, you know what I mean? And they, all, they come to us in different ways. Like some people need something from me. Sometimes you need something from other people. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why you have acquaintances. Then you've got some closer friends, which are kind of people you talk to on the regular. But then if you're really fortunate, you've got four or five life-giving friends that genuinely, they don't suck the life out of you. They give you life and you do the same kind of in this, in, in reciprocity, you're able to share and give and you strengthen each other, you make each other better. And Bobby and I refer to that kind of relationship as rocket fuel, where you've got one blend and you've got another blend, you put them together and not only they're combustible, but they're powerful, right? And we all need those kind of relationships. But the fact is, studies would show that most of us don't have many of those, if any of those, but we desperately need them because there's one thing I've learned about the Christian life, it is impossible to do it alone. You cannot live this book and this life on your own. We were designed not only to live the Christian life through the power of God, but through the power of community as well. But it all depends on your community. If your community is based on a social media network and how many people like or follow you, you've already lost right? If, if, your, if your success is based on how much praise somebody gives you, but it may not always be honest, we've already lost. If, if it's always based on what you can get from somebody, we've already lost. Are you with me? You kind of see the pattern here? But Jesus has a way of getting this really simple. One of the things I love about the Lord is how simple he takes complex problems and fixes them. The challenge is, What do we do with his words? Now, today, what I wanna ask you to do is I wanna ask you to have an open heart and an open mind and let let me convey what I believe Jesus has to say in a passage found in Luke's gospel in chapter six. Before I do, I wanna read you a quote from Oswald Chambers. When we think about life-giving relationships, here's what Oswald Chambers says. We are going to meet unmerciful good people and unmerciful bad people unmerciful institutions, unmerciful organizations, and we will have to go through the discipline of being merciful to the merciless. Now we're talking, because when you think about how difficult it is to convey compassion, mercy, or grace to those who are not compassionate, not merciful and not gracious, now we're having to get out of our norm of our humanity and trust the power of God within us to do what only he can do, which is why we can't live this book all on our own. Would you be so kind to stand in honor of the reading and the hearing of God's word? And I wanna read to you Luke chapter six, beginning in verse 36. These are Jesus' words. If you're following in your Bible, they're probably in red letters. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Now, many of you have a version that says you must be merciful just as your father is merciful. Now, this is a critical understanding of the rest of this text, which is why I want to take a minute while you're standing to tell you this. When Jesus is saying, you, he's talking to literally you and me, must be compassionate, merciful, just as your, and here's the word, father, just as your father is compassionate. Now, maybe you didn't grow up with a compassionate or merciful daddy. Maybe you still don't have a compassionate or merciful daddy, but Jesus is not talking about your earthly father. He's talking about God, the father, the creator and sustainer of the universe. So there's God, the father, God, the son, Jesus, who's speaking of his father. Are you with me? So he's talking about your heavenly father. So it says, you must be compassionate, merciful, just as your father, the heavenly father is compassionate or merciful. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying Friend? Let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word, and thank you that never returns void, but it always accomplishes the purpose for which you sent it. I pray today we would come to know you. There would be people today that would choose you, And that we would understand our purpose through this as we build life-altering, life-changing, life-giving relationships. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 Thank you. Have a seat. So to build these relationships, we have to grasp the fact that Jesus came along and said, let me me make this pretty simple for you. Do these three things. And when you do these three things, then there's going to be something that comes back that's good for you. He says, number one, stop judging everybody. Number two, don't condemn them. And number three, forgive them. Woo. I mean, that's what we like other people to do for us, right? Because let's start with judging, right? Now, there's a difference between judging and condemning. Judging, think of it this way, is an attitude that begins up here and infects this right here. Judging is when you look at somebody and you make an assumption about them, even if you don't know it all. Like you look at somebody and maybe they're panhandling and your first thought is, dude, get a job. Wendy's is always hiring, but you know nothing about, maybe they might be mentally ill. Maybe there's a story behind that that you have no idea about, right? Maybe you look at a kid who's kind of off the rails and you think, well, if that were my kid, man, I'd bust him. But what if that kid not only is sofa surfing, but he has no mom or dad. But see, sometimes we judge, we just make these assumptions. Assumptions will always lead us to problems relationally. It's true in a marriage, it's true with children, and it's true with friends and business relationships. When we assume we are by our nature judging other people. You ever walked down the mall or walked around in the city and you look at somebody and in your mind you think, I don't like them. Just look at that guy. I guarantee he's a creep. I mean, look at her. I guarantee you that, mm mm, no. Do you know at that same moment, somebody's probably looking at you going, no? Mm-mm. And if right then you thought to yourself, no, that wouldn't happen to me, you need this sermon. Because it happens all the time. By our human nature, we judge other people. Like, if you ever want to get to the heart of why racism exists, it is because we make assumptions when we see somebody, especially when we don't know them, and we make assumptions all day long. And in that assumption, we jump to the action of condemning them. You say, but Chuck, I'm not a judge. I can't condemn them. And yet, what we do when we make the assumption and judge, we go to the action of condemning, and we do that by several ways. We shun them, We don't talk to them. We don't engage with them. We we separate ourselves from them. You know, one of the things I am most proud about this church is how many black and brown families are choosing to come worship in this church. Because at the end of the day, friend, this church has got to look at 11 o'clock like heaven does and like Lanier High School and Buford High School and North Gwinnett High School looks like with black people, brown people, white people, rich people, poor people, tall people, short people, fat people, skinny people, bald people, and hairy people. Just bless the Lord. But now watch this. If our attitude is to judge people and condemn people, we're saying not welcome home. We're saying the opposite. It's just for us, for, and no more. Can I tell you, Jesus said, if you want life-giving relationships, stop judging people, stop condemning people. Condemning people is when we act on the attitude of judging. It starts with a mindset, it becomes an attitude, and then it becomes an action. If you want to know at the heart of when gossip happens, it starts with the judging, it moves to condemning, and then the action of gossiping. Just you, same thing with racism, same thing with gossip, same with all the things that are the opposite of life-giving relationships. But then he throws his third one. He has these two negatives, then he throws a third one, and he says, but forgive. Now, watch this. He says, if you don't judge, you're not going to be judged, If you don't condemn, you won't be condemned. And then he says, and if you forgive, you will be forgiven. Now watch this. Jesus is introducing us to something here that's pretty powerful. But I've noticed when it comes to forgiveness that we are highly selective about who and how and what we forgive. Because we all have petty hurts that we refuse to let go of. You know what I hear in my office all the time? I just could never forgive that. then why would you think you should be forgiven? According to Jesus, he makes this pretty clear. You say, but Chuck, I, I could never go sit with somebody and tell them I forgive you. Watch this folks, forgiveness is rarely, I mean, it is rarely an action. Forgiveness predominantly is a season that you enter into as an inside job most forgiveness does not need you to go to somebody and say, I'm so, I'm, I, I want you to know I forgive you. You totally talked horrible about me, but I forgive you. Because most of the time when we try to verbalize that, we completely mess it up and we offend them. But what would happen if we started with an attitude of, I want to be a forgiving person, because I want life giving relationships. Therefore, rather than holding on to this offense, I want it off of me. Rather than swallowing it like poison and hanging on to it and being bitter and resentful, I want to get rid of it so my heart and my head and my soul all come together to recognize that Jesus gave me the model of how we need to forgive, which is there is no out. He did not say, forgive four-fifths of the way, and that one-fifth you can hang on to. Because watch this. If you hang on to one-fifth of bitterness, hate, or resentment, or offense, you have kicked Jesus out 100%. Jesus does not hang out with bitterness and resentment and anger and rage. He kicks it out. Why do I know that? Because what does true love do? It removes all fear. And all fear is grounded in bitterness, resentment, assumption, rage, judgment, and condemnation. You say, well, Chuck, but I, you don't know what they did to me. You're right. I don't, but Jesus does, and he's gave you no out on forgiveness, nor did he give you an out on how many times? But now watch this. Forgiveness is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. There are consequences to when something is done wrong, right? But our job is to forgive. Watch this. You are one sinner's prayer away from the world's worst terrorist being your neighbor in heaven. Ooh, Chuck, uh-uh. No. When I get to heaven... I'm living next to Billy Graham. (laughs) Maybe not. But what I know is this. That guy hanging on the cross, when he cried out to Jesus, he didn't have a church to join. He didn't have a place to be baptized. He's a thief hanging on a cross, deserving the punishment. And what did Jesus say? Hey, buddy, today you'll be with me in paradise. Come on. The whole world had a reason to look at that guy just like the whole world has a reason to look at me and you and condemn us and judge us. But Jesus said, I forgive you, and then said, and if you want to be forgiven, you forgive. Now Jesus introduces a concept of reciprocity of mercy and compassion. You say, Chuck, what? Okay, reciprocity, you get the concept, right? It's kind of quid pro quo. You do that, this is what you get. By the way, the Bible calls it what, what you, what? Reap you? Yeah. So in other words, what you put in the ground is what you get. Jenny and I have this little uh, little farm. I'd say it's, it's a little planter, right? So last year, we thought we planted bell peppers. You know, halfway through the season, we had banana peppers. You know what I realized? They didn't change in mid-season. We planted banana peppers. We just didn't know it. Because what you plant, you reap. And what you reap, you sow. And Jesus says, if you want a life-giving relationship, this is what you have to do. Listen to what he says. He said, give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Now watch. What gifts are he talking about? Well, yeah, he's talking about financial, of course. But also, he primarily is talking about the first three things he said. He said, if you stop judging, you're giving life. If you stop condemning, you're giving life. If you forgive, you're giving life. And he says, when you give, whew. what do you say? Press down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. Oh, come on. This is good. Ellenberg, come here. This is a highly interactive service. Come here. Come on. You're an athlete. Run. Once upon a time, you were a legend, bro. Now you're hobbling around like an old man. Come on, Ellenberg. Come on. All right. Now watch this. Take this shirt, this Buford Elite shirt, and hold it up like I'm going to put tomatoes in it. Atta boy. There you go. Now let's just assume that my phone is a jar. I've gone to downtown Jerusalem to buy spices and the guy takes a scoop and he pours it in and hands it to me. You know even Ellenberg can just carry that home right because it's just a jar of stuff on it but but what if what if you were shopping with an honest merchant in downtown Jerusalem and he filled this up and Tapped it down, put some more stuff in it, shook it down in the corners, put some more stuff in it, and then he put it here and he poured some more stuff in it. He filled up this jacket where it's weighing down, kind of like when you were a kid and you had to go pick up tomatoes and you could only get four, but your pop said, no, you're going to care 30. <laughs> and you, you could get it on out there. Yeah. This is what Jesus is saying, that when you stop judging and you stop condemning and you start forgiving, I'm going to give you more than you can carry in my blessing, my goodness, and life-giving relationships. I'm not going to let you spill it. I'm going to let you hold it, and I'm going to let it happen all inside your life because you, my friend, are living as I've called you to live. One amen. Come on, just one. Thank you, Brian. Now watch this. Hobble on back, buddy. (laughs) O'Brien's one of the two tech fans we got left around here. Bless his heart. It's got to be hard, I know. But now Jesus goes on. He said, clearly they haven't gotten it yet. So he says, then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? So let's just say that I took two of you and blindfolded you and made sure that you could actually not see and I said, now, one of you start making your way and weave your way up and down these aisles. But the goal is don't, don't run into anything, don't stub your toe, and whatever you do, don't offend anybody by winding up in their lap. <laughs> now, that would be, that'd be troublesome, wouldn't it? I mean, you take them to a corn maze and you, you just block it out and you can't see anything. Well, what would happen? Well, they'd walk into walls and they'd walk into everything because that's what happens. So Jesus says, so when this happens, bad things are going to happen to them because we all need a teacher. Watch out now, because Jesus is saying, if you got the wrong teacher, it's like a blind man following another blind man. He says, watch this, students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Jesus says this, when you don't judge, when you suspend your condemnation and you activate your forgiveness, not only are you gonna receive my blessing, but you're going to follow my model and you're going to become more like me. And become, when we become more like Jesus, what's happening in our life is this thing called sanctification where the Spirit of God at work in us is leading us to become more like Christ, which means no judgment, no condemnation, all forgiveness and life-giving relationships. Come on but he still knows we don't get it watch this and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own how can you think of saying friend let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye hypocrite there you go some of you're like see that's my word right there pastor you know why I don't do the church thing hypocrites they're everywhere you doggone right they are just turn to your left to your right look in front look behind and then let somebody look at you and i promise you we're all hypocrites right i mean the church is full of them right i mean don't we know this i mean if you found the perfect church you'd go join it mess it up that's just the way we are right But here's what he says, and and this is just so special. I mean, this is just awesome right here. He says, don't go to your friend who's got this tiny speck of sawdust and try to get it out while you have a telephone pole sticking out of your eye. Now, watch this. This This just makes common sense. So, Jesus is saying, you got this little speck right there in your eye. But if I have a telephone pole sticking out of my head and I try to go help get the speck of sawdust out of this sweet girl's eye, when I turn to do so, I'm gonna slap her upside the head with a telephone pole. I'm gonna give her a concussion which is worse than the speck of sawdust. So you think, well, maybe I'll go another way. I'll be prayerful about it. I go this way. I clunk her on top of the head, now she's worse. I'm like, no, I still need to work on her. Don't worry about the telephone pole. I turn this way. I've clocked her from the other side. Now she's out like a light. Jesus is saying in this humorous example that all of us, before we start trying to fix everybody else's junk, we need to fix our junk. Amen. A friend of mine used to put it this way. Stop going across the street to clean their bathroom when yours hadn't been cleaned in a month. Are you with me? Now, the reason Jesus uses this example is one, I I do believe Jesus had a lot of humor in him, but I think he was trying to be wildly simplistic and helping us understand that this is what it's like when we focus on things that he didn't tell us to do. Jesus didn't say, Go work on specks of sawdust in people, he said, Don't judge. And you say, well, Chuck, I, I I thought the Bible also said Christians. We're supposed to call out other Christians. In person and in love. Not through gossip. Not through a prayer chain. Not through coming to the pastor to tell him to deal with a problem. But in person and in love. Well, I, I Chuck, I thought we were supposed to deal with people who do something wrong. We are. We're supposed to forgive them. That's our job. Now, here's... Here's an interesting story. Are you ready? A pastor at a church in Arizona decided he wanted to test his church and see how they were doing. So he went to a makeup artist and they dressed him up like a bum and he stunk and they poured poured whiskey all over him so he could smell like he'd been drinking. And he, he came in just a bum for what used to be a Sunday night service. And he walked in and he sat down and I literally, he was asked to leave. See, what Jesus is saying is, this ought to be a monitor for me and you. How's Sugar Hill Church doing in this model of don't judge, don't condemn, but forgive? And here's the answer. You ready? If people this week have sinned, which, by the way, according to the Bible, is all of us, does the church repel them Or does the church welcome them? I've been a part of churches who repelled people of different colors. I've been a part of a church that repelled people that have gone through divorce. I've I've seen churches that have repelled people who had babies outside of wedlock. I've seen churches that literally told young people, you're not welcome here if you wear a hat. I think Jesus looks at that and says, that's not my church because if the church can't welcome people that are sinners, we truly are the greatest hypocrites on the world because listen to me, friend. When Jesus came, he had every right to judge me and you. He had every right to condemn me and you. But what the, what the Lord said is, I didn't come to condemn you. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to give the world life, life-giving Jesus. Not to condemn us, but to forgive us. Now, watch this. The church is you. You are the church. So the same thing that you could say about Sugar Hill Church, we have to measure our own life. Do the people around me who have sinned this week, do I repel them or am I a place where I can welcome and pray with them and forgive them? Because if you're the church, the church is only made up of you and you can't do it on your own power, you have to have the help of the Spirit of God. So, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told the 930 crowd. Right now is an opportunity for you to make a decision. You see, if I can't live the Christian life in my own power, I better be fueled by something bigger and more powerful than me. If I'm going to not judge and I'm not going to condemn but I am going to forgive, I cannot do that in my own human power, nor can you. So something has to stir within me to give me that power. And the only way, according to the same book, the way I have a life-giving relationship first is with Jesus the Lord. And you say, well, Chuck, I need that. I want that. I mean, I need to get this fixed in my life. Then it all starts with this relationship going this way. You can't be right this way until you're right this way. So you say the same thing those 11 people did at 930, where you say, Jesus, I'm calling on your name. You say, Chuck, I don't even know what the heck that means. I'm calling on your name. Here's what it means. You ready? Because if this is your desire, pray it with me while I say it. Don't close your head. Don't close your head. Man, spend $1,000 on my glasses and my mouth messes up. So focus on this. Jesus, will you forgive me? Yeah, I've sinned. I've done some stupid junk. Will you forgive me? According to the Bible, not according to me, not according to the church, but according to me, according to God, God said he will hear you and he will forgive you when you ask for him too. Then it's pretty simple. Jesus, would you come into my life, and I don't really know how you do it because I can't see this Holy Spirit, but would you give him to me? One more time, when he hears you, he will answer you without judgment, without condemnation, full of forgiveness, full of grace, full of love to give you life-giving relationship with him. Jesus, thank you. You died for me. You rose from the dead for me. And today you're sitting in heaven beside God the Father right now praying for me. Thank you. And I believe in that. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead for me. I believe you're praying for me. So I want to turn my life around. I want to live for you and stop trying to live for me because I'm tired of judging, I'm tired of condemning, and I need forgiveness, and I need to forgive. You say, Chuck, that's me. That's me. Then let what we just said be your prayer today. Jesus, that's my prayer I'm asking you to be my savior, my Lord today. And I'm gonna do the same thing at 9.30. Listen, I, I'm not all about that close your eyes and bow your head and nobody's looking. That's just a foolish thing. I don't, I've never understood that. Jesus did not die in a closet away from on some old, you know, sweet little hill. He died at a crossroads where people saw everything that happened. And here's what he said. If you will claim me before others, I'll claim you before God the Father. Come on. When I hear that, you know what I think to myself? I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed that I need Jesus. I am not ashamed that I need forgiveness. I am not ashamed that I want to stop being judgmental and I want to stop being condemning. I need the power of Christ. So if that's your heart today, do what those 11 people did at 930 and stand up wherever you're at right now. Just stand up. All it takes is one. Just stand up. Amen. 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 Who else? Who else? Who else? Amen. Amen. Who else? Come on. Amen. Amen. Stay standing. Amen. Amen. Who else? Who else? Amen. Who else? Amen. Who else? Who else? Bless God. Amen. Amen. Just stay standing up for a minute. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That's right. That's right. Stay standing for just a minute. Listen to me, friend. Jesus, the son of the living God, throughout all of heaven, pitches a party in your name today because of your faith because of your faith in him he has saved you and given you life life in abundance this life and life eternal in heaven and that's because he first loved you bless the lord oh my soul and all that is within me you say what do i do next we're not one of those churches that you walk down an aisle and fill out a piece of paper and all that we don't do that stuff i trust the spirit of god in you to tell you exactly what the next thing to do is according to the bible You come and see somebody like me or Bobby or Zach and you say, I'd like to get baptized, we'll chat with you about it and we'll baptize him. If you say, Chuck, I'm not ready for that yet, that's okay. I'll trust the Spirit of God to tell you when it is okay. Well, Chuck, this is pretty courageous for me. I don't do stuff like this. Well, bless God you did today. (laughs) How about that? Bless the Lord you did today. I could not be more proud of you. Come on, church, let's stand up and worship the Lord before we go.